Hello and welcome to the Deakheads podcast. My name is Rob Delves and as always I'm joined by Sean Jessamine and Damon Bednarski. Firstly, hello to you Sean, the, uh, also known as the greatest thing to come out of Packham since asparagus. How are you <laughs> going, Sean? No, mate, the asparagus comes from Cooey Rup, not from, not from Packham. Oh, yeah. But, it, yeah, but I'm good, I'm good not, Rob, how are you? That's not in the distant vicinity, is it? Oh, it's, <laughs> it's a good 15 minutes away. Yeah. Oh, how are you going, mate? You good? Yeah, mate. I'm good. I'm good. And uh, heard a few things during the week that you may be back in training with Frankston. Is that true? Yes, back at back at the Dolphins for, for a few weeks Fins. before Christmas. Yep. So been good to see everyone and get back down yeah. there and have a bit more uh, normalcy to our everyday routine. So yeah, good. absolutely. That's good. Good stuff. What's, so what's the agenda? Just a couple of weeks of training, then Christmas break, and then go from there? Yep. Yeah. So we'll we'll train up until about the eighteenth of December, I think, and then yeah, have a few weeks off, and then get back into it. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. And now we'll cross to the uh, the Maui Marvel, who is now back in Victoria. Damo, you're back. Welcome. I am. I am back, Rob. Thanks for having me again. Mate, outstanding. So how was the how was your time back in Sydney, mate? But more importantly, you're glad to be back in the Premier State. Yeah, back in the COVID capital. Um, yeah, no, oh, it's mate, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore, but the, the previous yeah. COVID capital. Yeah, no, it was good. Good time up there. Um, eight weeks went pretty quickly, actually. So, um, but yeah, yeah fantastic time up there um, in Sydney with the girls. Unfortunately, we didn't get the bickies, but um, yeah, mm. great time up there and good experience. But good to be back on deck in Victoria. Absolutely. But so, have we done a podcast with you actually in Victoria? Yeah, I think yeah. The, fir- the first one. Yeah, first, first one. one. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, good to see you back back in the big V. But, Shawnee, do you want to give us an update on the merch? Because I think uh, I put up a couple of things yesterday on the, some of the socials or um, a few days ago about our merch delivery. So, do we want to give a little yeah. up, an update there? Yeah, the, mer- the merch has arrived. Christmas has oh. come, early. <laughs> come early for everyone. Um, Rob... Yeah, Rob, you came and picked yours up. You trekked down to Packenham and came and got yours. And yeah, I met Damo as well, and he's got his. So uh, we'll be handing them out like uh, Father Christmas very shortly. And mm. um, it would be good to see everyone repping the Triax merch come up well. Yeah, it looks good too. Like initial feedback is looks pretty good. And I think the green works really well. So hopefully mm. uh, we can uh, deliver and distribute that at the back of the Triax sleigh over the new year, <laughs> which would be pretty good, I reckon. Absolutely. But yeah, but Sean, Sean's pretty happy with that. That's his baby, so um, yeah, he's good good with that. Um, he has been firstly, under the pump with this, hasn't he? There's been a bit oh, of pressure yeah, on Shawnee. There's been a bit of pressure. This is I've got to get the merch done. This is you know, this is my nickname. This is where the nicknames come from. We need to deliver. And uh, sure enough, the goods have come up pretty well, Sean. So you should give yourself a pat on the back, mate. Yeah, I will. I will. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> mate, if you're gonna make a blooper, you're gonna make a blooper reel about me in a podcast, mate. You better expect to have a bit of heat in the next podcast to come. Well, um, mate, you, if, if you're going to give us material, then we're going to use it. Mate, well, what am I going to do? Yeah, fair enough. Fair I would like anyway, that um, Sean is cool. quite sprightly considering it is bef- before nine o'clock in the morning on a Saturday and uh, he would not normally be up for another two hours here. So uh, we're on for rocking yeah, up. We're pushing it here. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, if you, Sean, if you can just stay with us, we should have a Sean cam for the whole episode just to see if he's awake 
Yeah, I might not off at one stage. <laughs> might be a bit of caffeine, I reckon. Uh, caffeine supplementation to get him through the uh, get him through the next half an hour or so. <laughs> Any, anyway, we just get back on track here a bit. Uh, firstly, thank you everyone, uh, our followers um, throughout the trikes journey so far. So thank you for the feedback, support, um, comments on all the various platforms: Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Facebook and then the podcast and screencast forums as well across YouTube, uh, Spotify and Apple iTunes. Really appreciate that. If you have any um, queries or uh, comments or need to get in touch with us, then uh, please do so. Help you, happy to help out in any way we can, particularly with pre-season almost upon us. So definitely uh, give us a yell out if you need any assistance with that. Um, but it probably leads into our uh, pre-season comment probably leads into this portion of the podcast. Um, so if we want, want to quickly recap the last podcast, we spoke about aerobic training methods and some of the background and, and uh, rationale behind some of the program we do, particularly for team sport athletes. So maybe if we just want to touch, uh, briefly touch on some of the stuff we covered in the last podcast that people may need to catch up with before they delve into this one, boys. Yep. So last week, one of the major things that we're talking about is uh, maximal aerobic speed. Um, so this is a value that we can use to um, program training. Won't go into too much detail on that. If you want to know a bit more about that, um, listen to last the last episode. But yeah, essentially we're talking about that um, and then how we can use that to prescribe training um, for different types of interval training, essentially. So um, there's long interval, short interval. Um, we did touch on Eurofit, which is sort of a hybrid of the um, short interval and then um, the Tabata training, which Rob... Um, really loves um, this, which is another short interval version um, of training that we've talked about. So again, if you do want to um, learn a bit more about that, um, you can either check out our blog or listen to last week's um, podcast episode. And there's a lot more information on those topics. So was that our blog or your blog? Oh, our blog. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad, Damon. Anything else on that, Sean? I think that was a pretty good summary there from Damon. Yeah, yeah, we sort of just touched on the, I guess as well, the importance of your your aerobic capacity and um, mm-hmm. why it's important for sport and um, and sort of the role it plays in in being able to run run out a match and that sort of that sort of thing. Yeah, I think and probably highlight we've got when we talk about this like aerobic capacity stuff, we do have a focus on team sport athletes in particular. So we're not really necessarily talking about. Um, if you're a middle distance athlete in terms of track and field, or if you're like an endurance runner, you probably want to do or look at things slightly differently than what we present today, but um, yeah, purely sort of looking at the team sport um, approach in these podcasts. But yeah, so if you do this this podcast, so the intro into this podcast, we'll look at more of a hands-on sort of practical application of what we talked about in the previous podcast. So the previous podcast is more about the background information. This one, we want to get into the nitty gritty of it, which brings us into um, yours truly as a guinea pig a few weeks ago. So we'll set a bit of a scene here that... Um, Myself, I went out to the, uh, the local athletics track and did a dummy two-kilometer time trial a couple of weeks ago, purely for the uh, purposes of this podcast to help people um, understand what goes in the programming, uh, aerobic capacity-based program. So you can thank me later for you know, just putting me hard on the line and getting the big file app ticker out and running around the track. So that will be the basis for this podcast is training me 
essentially I, a boy. I boys. think this is all just a bit of me time for you at the moment here, Rob. Oh, it's not me. I'm just put, trying to put myself on the line for the podcast. I think you just did want to put your numbers out there so everyone knows how good you are. <laughs> no, not this time trial in particular. I was absolutely battling around the track. It was like it was like a heavy tenant Ramwick. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I'm not a mudlark. I was just just trying to get through the ground. So, but we got there anyway. Um, so yeah. Run, I uh, ran a 2K time trial. So now what we're going to do is we're going to basically go through the process of now devising a program um, that would benefit me and help um, boost my aerobic capacity. So the two boys here are going to go through a bit of analysis and then we'll go from there. So we'll take it the first step, which is essentially what we're going to do is identify the right training protocol for me based off our results from the 2K. So Damo and Sean have both had a look over my results in the 2K. So maybe if we can have a bit of a discussion around that. And we'll go from there. Yeah. So I think what what did you get, Rob? Seven fifty. Yeah, seven fifty six or something. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty close to eight minutes. I think. Um, mm. I guess the the first sort of step once we get that result um, is sort of going to be asking Rob like what his goals are. What like what do you want to get out of this sort of thing? Um, and we'd also sort of touch on what previous training you've done. Like if you've yeah rocked up off the, you've been lying on the couch all locked down mm. raring to get back into it we're gonna need to sort of ease back into things pretty slowly um whereas if you've sort of been training here and there a few days a week um but not with a real plan then we can sort of kick things off a bit quicker but yeah i, I suppose as well the the test like if we're if there is anyone um sort of interested in um coming on as like a online athlete we, this is sort of the process we'd go through. So we'd get you to do some sort of test. The easiest method is mm. going to be a time, time trial. Um, yeah. Just because you can go out and run that in about anywhere from sort of, mm. depending how quick you are, six, seven to sort of eight yeah. minutes. Um, and when you say time trial, Sean, are we talking like 2K, two kilometers is probably your sweet spot if you're a team sport athlete or what sort of distance yeah. would you say? Yeah, 2K? Yeah, I'd say two, 2K gives you, um, a long enough duration that you can sort of mm. test your aerobic capacity. Anything yeah. you can do shorter than that, but the results mm. potentially won't be as accurate. Um, you could do longer mm. as well, but we find that you can get a good enough result from your two case. Mm. So you, mm. the difference between the the validity of the result from a two K to a three K isn't going to be that much. Yes. Oh. I'd just add, yeah, anywhere from 1,500 because I know having just worked yeah. with athletes from different countries, so I know um, the cricketers from New Zealand and South Africa use 1,500 metres as their marker. So, um, yeah, there's sort of out there anywhere from sort of 1,500 to 2Ks is yeah. that, that sweet spot, as you said, Rob. Yeah, yeah, sweet. So now, so I've done that, obviously ran that uh, that time. So Sean was talking about 7.56. So Damo is the king of MAS around here, if you look at his blogs. So what would that mean then, Damo, in terms of MAS? Like what, so I've run the test now. What, what information do I get from that? Yeah, so the time that you get, so that's 7.56, we can then put that into um, an equation. So generally it's the time in seconds divided by the yeah. distance. Um, there yeah. are a few little different algorithms out there that can yeah. alter it depending on athlete weight, but we won't get into those nitty-gritty details. But if you want just a general MAS score, that's what you would need to do. So um, uh, 7 minutes 56 in seconds divided by 2,000 
um, would get, give you the number, which I believe it's 4.2 or 4.3 4. or something. Yeah, 4.2 so, something, yeah. yeah. Yeah, something like that yeah. that Rob would end up with. So um, as we discussed, that will then mean 4.2 metres per second is the speed that Rob can run at, um, or the lowest speed he can run at to achieve maximal aerobic mm. capacity. Um, yeah. So then what we can do with that value is then start to use that to um, program your training. Um, so that value yeah. is quite useful. And again, so we can use that for intervals. Um, if you want to do fartlek running, yeah. essentially what it gives us is the ability to prescribe distances mm. over a certain amount of time that is specific to Rob's current aerobic yeah. capacity. And then we can start to increase that to train Rob to run a little bit faster. So hopefully by the end of his training program, his MAS scores, not 4.2, it might be 4.3 or 4.3, yeah. 4 or something like that. So um, that's the objective. So it's like, so a, that's, it's, yeah. so it's like a baseline measurement for your own improvement, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That you can use to improve it. Yeah, right. So then, so we've identified, you know, run the time trial. I've got my time. We know my MAS. So now, in terms of devising the right training protocol for my own personal training, this is, again, if um, you jump on as a Triax client, we sort of talk about, well, what are my goals and what I do? Because that's going to obviously affect what you guys program, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. If, so if I tell you guys, look, I'm an intermediate athlete, um, play footy, uh, play, play footy, <laughs> play footy, I play footy, play footy, mate, play footy. I play footy in the season, uh, you know, just the, the usual sort of season, but I'm not too active outside of that. Yeah, and I want to have a decent sort of preseason because I'm stuck in the forward pocket, but I really, I'm an inside mid at heart. So I want to, you know, build up the tank. So you guys get receive all that information. And then, so we go into the programming side of it, don't we? Yep. yep. So I think, um, the, I think the, the first thing to address when it comes to a program is how many days a week. Um, yep. Yep. I think that if, as you, as you said, Rob, in this scenario, you haven't, you haven't done much. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think we, I'd start, maybe just two sessions a week. Um, that's yep. just me. Um, and then we can start to, once you've gotten through it, maybe one training block or two training blocks, we could make that three days a week, which is probably the ideal frequency, maybe four. Um, because yep. I think three is probably going to mimic your, what your training is going to look like both in preseason and during the year, you're probably going to have three training sessions in the preseason and then during the season, you're probably going to have two training sessions plus game day. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. yep. So three times is probably that ideal spot, but because you haven't done much to begin with, we're just going to start with two. Yep. Yeah. I guess. Okay, so we'll go from that. Yeah. So if we've we've got our frequency, so then we look at how we would break that down. So depending on what your goals are, that's going to um, dictate how we actually program that but generally what we'd be looking at is um say for example if rob wanted to improve his 5k running time so this is an example you might have so what we would potentially do is look at in those two sessions we would have um potentially a long continuous run so it may be that to start off with we may not actually even run five kilometers but we might start at say four kilometers just to get um k's in the legs make sure that he can do that. And then the other session of the week, if we're just doing two would be um, an interval based session. So mm. we're getting the um, work in the legs and getting used to that longer distance that he wants to run. Um, and then the interval session that we've got there is to work at that higher intensity so that we can actually increase his aerobic capacity. Um, so if you're just doing the two sessions, that's 
how we would structure it. Um, and then if you're moving into three, you could then um, mix and match that. So you might have a longer interval session, a shorter interval session, and then your continuous running um, session in there as well. Um, and again, it's just working on, so if we're trying to improve aerobic capacity, you've got to work above your aerobic capacity, your current aerobic capacity to develop mm. that. So um, mm. your long continuous runs probably going to be held at that speed that you can hold unless we did some sort of pacing yeah. where you run above. Yeah. So to actually improve, we would be working on that in the intervals. So um, the short, obviously you're going to be trying to work on that higher speed sort of movement and just getting used to running at those high speeds, the longer interval would probably be closer to what your current aerobic capacity is, but just a little bit yeah. above because you've got that rest time. So um, if we're structuring a session in the early days, because Rob's intermediate, he has been training a little bit. Um, obviously we, we could start working probably at a little bit higher intensities than you normally would. So, um, you know, we, we've been that sort of, 100 to 120% of your maximal aerobic speed training for those intervals. And then for the continuous running, um, you'd want him to be running at as close to his maximal um, aerobic capacity over that distance as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you say, um, there's a couple of points there. So when you say 100, like 100 to 120% of MAS, like my own MAS, so 100% would just be the 4.21 I originally got. And then 120% 120% is essentially 20% greater. So just chucking a bit extra on is that's what you mean, isn't it? By that? Yeah. So your speed would increase. So um, rather yeah. than being 4.2, it might go up to, yeah, like 4.3. Yeah, so four, again, four, we're just, yeah. we're, we're yeah. pushing you to be that little bit quicker yeah. um, in that training. Yeah. But obviously when we're doing that, it's not that you're just doing that flat out. There's obviously going to be intervals. So we're going to adjust yeah. your work to rest ratio, which was talked about in the early episode to account for that, to make sure that you, can actually complete those sets at those intensity. Yeah, right. And interesting. So if I was more of a beginner athlete, or not a beginner, but someone who didn't have like um, as much sort of physical um, developed aerobic capacity, in terms of our training and stuff, would that be more volume-based, do we reckon, at the start, instead of like sort of mixing and matching? Or like how would you sort of go about programming someone who potentially doesn't have that level just yet? If, if that's the case, then the, the main thing is going to be trying to build your sort of aerobic base, which you will do, will do through the longer interval stuff. Um, mm. Again, once you've probably done that for a little bit and you've got mm. some familiar familiarity with the running and the program yeah. and you're able to um, get a little bit fitter, um, that's yeah. when you can start to sprinkle in maybe yeah. the stuff that's a little bit more intense. Um, yeah. I think that's the probably the best way to do it anyway is to do a little bit of a little bit of both but in but it's not appropriate for every circumstance so if you yeah yeah if you've just rolled up off the couch um you want to start just by trying to mm. get through the session instead of mm. doing stuff that's a that's way above you 100 percent mm. that that was quite popular a while back when a lot of the fitness apps and stuff came out it was like the couch to 5k and stuff like that yeah so, a lot of how that works is it'll be a jog walk. So you'll jog for, it might be 60 seconds on, 60 seconds off, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, that sort of routine where you jog at a pace that you can hold for that amount of time. So you do 30 seconds and then you walk for the next 30 seconds. Again, yeah. that's a very similar thing is it's just, if, if you've come from absolutely nothing, what you'll find is after two weeks, if you're doing two sessions a week, you'll be able to probably 
go, you know, if you started 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, you'd be able to do 60 seconds on, maybe 30 seconds off. It, it does, um, you do adapt quite quickly. Um, but if you yeah. want a gentle introduction is that, you know, just tweak those work to rest ratios and how intense you're working. But yeah, that would be a way yeah. to do it is just jog, walk, then you can move into continuous. And then as Sean said, just sprinkle in that um, interval sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And within six weeks time, you'd go, wow, I can't believe that I've, you know, hadn't run in five years and then you're up and running and you're, you know, going at a half decent clip. Yeah, absolutely. So in, when we talk about, this is a little bit of a segue, but when we talk about sort of strength training or actually maybe hypertrophy training when you're in the gym, people talk about time under tension is important. For aerobic capacity, time under tension for aerobic capacity, if you will, is also important. So how how long roughly should we um, how long roughly should we focus on, like on running in terms of to actually boost our aerobic capacity? Because when we say you can do intervals, but if you only do one, that's probably enough not enough time to actually evoke enough of a response, is it? No. Um, yeah, you probably want to be looking at at least twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, so that's just 20 minutes of, is that 20 minutes of running or is that a 20 minutes total session? Yeah. Of actual, actual running. Yeah. So that's, yep. yeah, that's, a, that's a, a good point, Robin. And probably a key difference as well, because you might yeah. get your, you got your, your fitness watch on and it says you've done mm. 25 minutes, but if 10 minutes of that has been your walking time, mm. then, um, and that's not quite getting to that 20 minutes of running. Yeah, um, Absolutely. It does so that, depend that on the intensity, be... though. That that's one thing. I think if you're if you're doing quite a high mm. intensity interval session, then um, you know there's a bit of leeway. But yeah, if you if you're working, as I've said, sort of at your maximal aerobic speed, if you're only doing 15 minutes, yeah. it's probably not giving you the outcome that you want. Yeah, you can't. Mm. You're probably not going to be able to do 20 minutes worth of Tabata running. No. <laughs> you'll, you'll you'll find yourself pretty cool. <laughs> pretty <quickly. laughs> yeah oh yeah absolutely because i think with tabata i think uh, usually they want about three to four minutes of set running so that's what you want in each set like so you imagine doing five sets of that in one session that would just absolutely cook you pretty but, tough yeah i'm sure there's i'm sure there's a few more skilled performers than out there than what we can uh, we can muster i'm sure so now we've now we've determined roughly roughly there what i should be looking at doing so sean suggests maybe early on that maybe two sort of quality sessions a week and then um, quickly sort of build that into three, which would sort of match uh, yeah, in-season demands. I think that makes sense. That's pretty good. And then Damo talked about uh, in terms of the training, so maybe look at some long interval stuff and then uh, try and accompany a interval session or a short, short interval session around that to boost the intensity as well. So trying to get a little bit of boost in terms of um, – working at above my maximum aerobic speed. So that's important as well. So the long interval stuff and doing interval and volume work will work around my current MAS. But then when we do the short short interval stuff later on, that's trying to boost it um, by working above it in terms of like the 120% MAS stuff. So we know that. And now, so the next part of me is actually doing the training. So maybe if we can have a bit of discussion around actually incorporating the training and doing the training, um, for me as an athlete and how I can effectively continue and progress this program. Yeah. So I think um, the first bit is if you literally have just got off the couch um, is not to just jump straight into the running. So you do have to do a bit of preparation there. So if you haven't, haven't been running that much or doing that, you've got to make sure that um, you are, 
preparing yourself. So whether that, that that's a proper warm up or if you need to foam roll before you go out there or yeah. um, dynamic stretching, that's something that's very important. Now, um, a lot of people get down to the oval and they go, oh, I just want to get this done. So just yeah. start, just start mm-hmm. running. Um, if you're doing like your long continuous stuff, I, I think that's not, it's not the worst thing if you just jump into it um, because obviously you can control that speed. So maybe you might just start jogging and slowly build up. So, you know, your first 500 meters might just be a warm up, and then you move into it. That's not the worst because really you're working at lower intensities. Ideally, if you've got the time and the ability to a warm up would be fantastic if you can do that. But if you can't, um, that would be my recommendation is that you start off with some lower intensity stuff. If you ne- if you have any issues, you know, if you've got uh, a dodgy calf or, you, you know, your Achilles are tight or something like that, make sure that you do your prep before you get there and do mm. that. don't just jump out of the car. But um, with the continuous stuff, definitely you could get away with it um, as long as you know what you need to do in terms of prep. Uh, if you're in intervals type of training, hundred uh, percent, you should be out there doing a warm up beforehand because that stuff is a higher intensity. So mm. um, you're not just out there having a jog around the, the park. Um, this is above your maximal intensity. So a warm up would need to be conducted for that. So um, this just needs to be basic. So obviously it's running. So you're going to focus on your lower body. So um, dynamic movements through the lower body, some light jogging, um, dynamic stretches so it might be leg leg swings um arabesques different exercises like that um and then just a few high speed run-throughs and that would just prepare you for um the physical demands of a, a higher intensity session mm. i think we've got a uh, a pretty nifty blog on our website don't we about how to how to do a, a nice warm-up yeah ramp it up is it this is ridiculous. It's just, it's, you talk about it's a me, me, me episode. Every podcast we do, oh, I've got a blog on this. Oh, I've got well, this, no, on this. no, this is another demo blog. So, yeah, I know. That's what, that's what I mean. Like, it's, it's really, it's demo central. It's demo's world, but we're just living it here. <laughs> I've only got four blogs, but I just plugged the crap out of them here. Like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Sean, is there like anything else in terms of prep, um, preparation stuff? I think the warm up one's important. I think what's the old, the old saying is, if you don't have time to warm up, you don't have time to train, isn't it? Isn't it what they used to say? But yeah, I, I can't. Um, I can't say I've heard of that one, Rob. But I'll, I'll take your word yeah. for it. Oh man! Well, I refer to you because you are the king of quotes, apparently. So I'm <laughs> yeah, sure there's well, one up on your wall hey, there. You caught me off guard. You, yeah. Not used to you. Anyone else dropping quotes? It's not on his list in front of him, Rob. He hasn't got that. Nah, it's not <laughs> exactly right. It's too early. It's too early in the morning, anyway. I think for quotes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I think what, so. What Damon said is good about the what stuff. But I think if you if you can get yourself in a good return in terms of your warm up and your preparation, then like I just do it for any like do it for any session. It's not going to harm you. Like no. we put a couple of um, I've put a, a couple of TikToks up during the week and Instagram reels about like preparations before I go for a running sessions. So if you want to check them out and give us a follow, how's a pot um, called yeah. the kettle black here? Hey? Yeah, me, me, me. TikTok don't. Don't hate the player, hate the game, boys. So you just got to jump in. But yeah, anyway, so let's get back on track here, Sean. So what other things can we do to uh, manage ourselves whilst going through the training period? Um, one that's probably not considered enough is the surface that you run on, I think. Um, Interesting. Okay. I, yep. I think if you're going to do, if you're coming straight off the couch and you're going to get back into running, um, going for a run on the footpath or the road probably 
isn't going to be too great for your joints, Um, which is something we spoke about in, I think, our recovery podcast Mm. or maybe our return to pain podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, About how the joints take a little bit longer to recover and adjust than your muscles would. Um, So I would recommend running on grass. So just down at your local footy oval or your soccer field Mm. or um, you can run on athletics track as well, but um, they do have a little bit of bounce to them, but that's yeah. um, Yeah. And and the grass grass. does replicate the surface that you're going to be playing on for most team sports. Mm. Um, Obviously that's also a good point. Yeah. If you're, if you're a netballer or a basketball or something like that, then obviously if you can get access to your type of surface, then yeah. try to do that. But obviously for your longer stuff, um, even if you are a court based athlete, doing it on grass mm. or a softer surface is just going to look after you, uh, your body a lot more. Yeah. That's a great point, especially about that sport specific training there, Damon. It's really good. So in terms of, um, <laughs> in terms of another sort of um, plug here, in terms of our recovery techniques. So um, what sort of things should we be doing in terms of after and before session? Actually, maybe I should just answer this because I also have a blog on this. Um, but yeah, so in, in terms of um, recovery stuff, again, in one of our TikToks, I went down to the beach and did a bit of a, uh, a, bit of, a, bit of a walk in the, in the seawater there, which was nice after a couple of sessions. That was just good, actually, like mentally, probably better than it was physically, but... Again, it's, it was a nice sort of um, nice sort of relax relaxation period after an exercise session. So things in terms of nutrition, hydration, you know, jumping in the uh, ice bath or going um, down to the beach and, and uh, dipping your toes in the water there. So it's a lot of uh, those sort of things. Again, if you get yourself in a um, in a good habit with that stuff, then it just sort of takes care of itself after a while. Like that becomes a part of your training session itself, I think, boys. Yeah, I think um, it's not necessarily like a recovery technique, but something that can mm. impact your recovery is sleep, um, like, a, like a cool down oh, like yeah. after, yep. after your session. So, so what you do you mean by that? So you wouldn't go and, as we just spoke about, you wouldn't jump out of the car, go bang straight into your session. Um, and it's the same after your session. You don't finish a pretty yep. strenuous set of, of intervals and then go bang straight into your car. You take five minutes just to have a little bit of a stretch, whether the stretching has that much of an impact on your soreness, debatable, um, but it can be an opportunity to just allow the body to relax a Mm. little bit in a gradual manner. So instead of going where your heart's beating at, you know, 180 beats a minute, and then you jump straight back in the car, just sit down, take a few minutes, take some deep breaths, um, do a couple stretches and then sort of make your way back to the car and head home. Yeah. Yeah. Now that, that gradual cool down. So if it's a, a light jog, just bringing that heart rate down, um, you know, letting your muscles um, remove any byproducts and stuff like that, that you yeah. may have incurred during the session and yeah, getting your breathing rate back to normal. Um, there's, there's nothing yeah. worse than sitting in the car straight after you've done a session and you can just, yeah. feel when you get out of the car at the other end and you're like, geez, I can't get out of the chair because you've stiffened up a bit. So yeah, like you said, if you take that five minutes just to look after yourself a little bit and then when you get home, you're going to feel a lot better than you would have if you've sat in the car and 
um, your muscles are in contracted positions and all the byproducts mm. have built up and you're going, geez, this was tough. Um, so yeah, mm. I mean, that, that's all you need to do. If you can spend five minutes at both ends. So if you're going to run for 20 minutes, you do a five minute warm up, five minute cool down. There's half an hour there. Um, it's pretty easy to fit that within your day. Um, Mm. get a session in yeah absolutely another important part is when we're doing the training session itself or when we're doing the training we might get a week or two in or maybe a couple two to three weeks in and we feel like we're maybe improving or it might be too much so in terms of managing our training load and tailoring that how do we go about that during the process i think it's important that we as damo sort of mentioned early on you're gonna see a little like early stages you will see improvement Mm. Um, because if you're going from nothing and then you're starting to train, you're going to see improvement. So it's always going to be tempting to try and be like, yep, let's keep going even more and more and more because you feel on a million bucks and every session you're getting better. But it's important that if you haven't been doing much, and again, back to um, our second podcast episode about returning to training, that sometimes the effects of going too hard too early, they don't show up straight away. Mm. So it's important to sort of manage our, um, our enthusiasm a little bit because not that we want to try and turn around and be like, no, no, we need to play it real safe um, because we want to celebrate our wins and we want to celebrate our improvements, but we need to sort of manage it a little bit in a way that is sustainable so that we're not, going to have six great weeks and then all of a sudden we've got an injury and you're back to square one. Mm. Yeah. I think it's all about subtle um, increases in the training load. So that's where, if we're giving a program out to a client, it's all going to be very like progressive and it's not going to exceed that 10%. So, you know, it might be a slight tweak of your intervals um, go from, you know, 30 seconds up to 45 seconds um, Mm. at this, at the same pace but you just get a little bit extra time or if you stay at the same one then your pace goes up a little bit so it's it's probably more about altering one uh, variable Mm. rather than altering a couple at a time and as you'll see is that at the start it'll skyrocket your progress but then you're going to hit a plateau and that's where it's all those little tweaks to get um that maintain and then also improve slightly there so yeah um as we've said it'll be great at the start um it's about then pushing through and just maintaining that with some subtle increases in intensity and you can you can get creative with that um that progressive overload can't you Dano? so if you like for instance if you wanted to um if you wanted to build volume so you want to do more distance as part of your overload then if you're doing intervals you could do one interval one more interval on one day and then do another on another day you don't just have to do it all in one do you, you can sort of spread it out over your training week can't you yeah, because at the end of the day, your total load and volume for the week is mm. going to be there at the end of the week. So, yeah, as you said, yeah, yeah. you can spread it out. So it might be, you know, your continuous runs 500 metres longer um, and then you do two extra reps on your interval training and there you go. You've already got potentially, you know, 700 extra metres. So we just talked about in terms of monitoring our training load and, and the potential to increase it as we go along. What happens, boys, when we feel like we need to decrease the load and maybe if we can provide some examples when it would be appropriate to decrease the training load during the program. Yeah. So um, this is what we would call like a deload um, of training. So mm. um, it is all good that we increase and we keep progressing through our training, but um, throughout training as well, you do need to, to drop the load down. Um, so you, we can't be operating 
on an increasing level of training and just keep going up, 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 up. So if you did that for 12 weeks in a row, like you, it just doesn't happen like that. So um, similar to like strength training, what you might do is with a deload is say you might do four weeks of quality increasing work. And then in the, at the fifth week, um, you would look at what we do is with a deload is we will decrease the volume of training um, but we will maintain the intensity at a relatively similar level. So essentially what we're doing is um, maintaining the quality of training that we're doing, but then giving the body um, an opportunity to rest and recover by um, reducing the total volume of training that we do. So um, that doesn't mean that we cut down the number of sessions that we do. It just might mean that we cut down the volume. So if we've been doing, for example, uh, three sets of eight for our interval training, we might just drop that down and do, um, you know, two sets of 12, oh, not, not two sets of 12. That's actually the same, but like, uh, you know, three lots of six, something yeah, like that. Yeah. 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 So, um, so you're just dropping it a little bit down the total volume of that you're doing. Mm. Um, there. Yeah, so, and again, if you wanted to, um, the, the intensity can drop slightly. Um, but again, we don't want to drop it massively. So it, it would be looking in that 10% window. So we might drop the intensity down. So if you're working at 120, percent of your MAS, you might go down to 110 for that week and just give your body an opportunity to recover. That's good. Um, Sean, is so in terms of like, if you're a team sport athlete, like these deload sort of periods tend to happen probably at the end of, end of pre-season. So when you go into, um, into the competition phase and around Christmas time as well. So if you're an individual, if you're training by, if you're training by yourself at the moment in terms of pre-season, should you look to incorporate that um, as a part of your program anyway? Um, I think it depends on, you can always plan to have a deload week, but I think sometimes just like circumstances in our life will come up and you end up having a deload week, like accidentally, mm. like you might not get one yep. session in, or you might have to cut a session short. So if you have gotten to four weeks of really good training, that's when you might put a deload week in. But if you look back and you say, shit, I missed, I missed a session this week. I had to cut a session this week short. You could still potentially deload, but it might not be, you might not cut down as much. Um, otherwise, you might just keep going ahead with, with what you had planned because there's no point um, doing a deload if you haven't been doing that gradual increase yeah. every week. I think that's good. a great point. And seeing as that we're sort of pitching this at amateur and sub elite athletes, that's, that's going to happen. Um, dinner with the family or too many beers at the Swan on a Saturday night is going to interrupt oh, potentially sure. that um, third session of the week. So yeah, um, that's very oh, good advice there, Sean. So well, maybe to summarize what we talked about there, we talked about I've, me as the athlete, I've done some sort of testing. I've come to you boys with the goals and, and where I'm at in terms of my training status. And now we've then moved into me actually physically com like completing the training. And now we're looking at the probably the final piece of the puzzle for this podcast is testing. So retesting again. So maybe if we just want to open the discussion in terms of why we should test again and then how we go about doing that um, to, in, in order to gauge our improvement. So Sean, do you um, want to kick us off for this one? Yep. Yeah. So the, the benefit is going to be that we get a more accurate um, measure to then prescribe your training. Because as we've said, mm. you're going to improve how much we don't know. So that's why we need to test. Um, so if you 
keep doing your testing 12 weeks in at your week one um, testing score, whether you use MAS or um, your maximal aerobic capacity to prescribe your training, um, you're going to be selling yourself a little bit short and you're not going to be able to get the same improvements. Um, and that's why you might see a plateau because you've, you've started to increase and increase and increase, and then you're still training at the same level. So it's just going to sort of flatline a little bit. So we need to retest, um, work out what our new normal is. Um, and then we can prescribe our training from there. Um, it's going to have to be the same test. Um, so if you did a 2k time trial to begin with, you can't go and do a beat test, um, or a yo-yo test. Um, we, we want to try and keep it consistent because while every test gives a decent gauge of um, your MAS or your VO2 max, um, they do differ a little bit. Any tests like this, we're not going to get a 100% accurate result, but we're trying to get as close as possible. Um, mm. So we want to try and yeah keep that, keep that similar so we're consistent throughout. Yeah, I think adding to that consistency and the validity of your test. So making sure that you do the same test, um, if possible, run it at the same place um, on the same track. So if you did it on an athletics track, go and do it at the same one. If you did it at your footy oval, do it there again. Obviously, there are errors sometimes with marking out if you're doing a 2K time trial. If you've got a trundle wheel or something like that, or you know that you've run it at the same spot every time at your local field, um, try to be as accurate as possible with that. And if you can, doing it at the same time and under mm. the same preparation, ideally. Obviously, as we said before, like things pop up in life. So you might have done it, you know, at 5 p.m. on a Thursday one time, but this time you had have to do it in the morning because that's when it suits that's okay but again just try to keep all the other factors as consistent as possible when retesting absolutely and then so how how many times should we retest and and what sort of intervals should we be looking at retesting so do we do this in our deload week like is it a four to six week thing or when should we look to test um, again and how many times after then should we look to retest yeah, it's really dependent on your schedule. So normally what would happen, mm. in, let's say in your footy preseason here, Rob, normally you'd probably do your first test in week one of the preseason to see where you're at and then you can program mm. your training from there. Um, yep. You probably wouldn't retest again until after the Christmas break um, just because that's yep. generally how it operates. So, um, And then what you would do most likely is when you get back from the Christmas break is test again in week one. Now, um, yeah. it's not the best set of situa circumstances because um, over the Christmas break, there's a lot of other factors that occur there that may um, impede your score, but um, that's how you would do it. And then generally your preseason is going to be like 12-ish weeks. So you'd want to probably retest again towards the back end um, of your preseason as well, just to see if the training you've been doing has been effective and there's been improvements and you want to know where you're at going into the season. Um, one thing I would say is that you don't want to be testing just for testing's sake um, and you want to have a purpose as to why you're doing that. So, um, again, so testing in the first week of preseason is going to give you a gauge of where everyone's at and what you need to do. Testing again after the Christmas break, again, is just going to give you the numbers and the information on where everyone in your squad is. Again, you, you, that next test, so three is probably a good number for the preseason um, as a number of tests, but you don't want to be doing that last test in the week before your first game. Um, yeah. Because that's not yeah. really going to give you much. It's going to say, yep, yeah, okay, 
the preseason was good, but you want to be able to um, do something with that information if it's just there. Because once you get to in season, it's it pretty much becomes maintenance and just holding on to what you've developed. So yeah. Say you do games start in Mar- middle of March um, and we come back to training second week of January, you'd want to find a middle spot somewhere in between there to have that third test to make sure that that block of training after Christmas is has been effective and then to tailor it, your training for the second half of that to really ramp things up to make sure that you're firing for the season. So that would probably work out to be somewhere early February would be when you'd want to do that that third test just to see where things are at again later on in the season you might want to do a test sort of at the mid-season break or something like that just to see where people are at if you need to boost some training but in season really more is about um just holding on to what you've developed very good don't not bad at all it's pretty comprehensive i reckon so we might we might finish there we might just maybe give a quick recap as to what we've gone through and sort of like the process surrounding um, the, the prescription for me um, based on my results. So firstly, what I did was ran a 2K time trial, gave my time to the boys, and then we determined our MAS score off that. And then we worked um, worked out in terms of like training prescription, in terms of what I was, um, what I was going to do in terms of like a, our programming. So how many times a week I should be doing it what time for training uh, and how long. And that's based off my goals and my uh, current fitness level. And then we moved into sort of managing myself during the actual training period itself. So in terms of the, my own recovery and um, prehab, rehab stuff, and then moving into uh, loading, increasing the load, deloading as well. And then of course, retesting at the end of it. So I think that provides a nice little summary there. I don't think I've missed anything there, my boys. No, nah, you've covered all there, Rob. Uh, thanks very much, Damo. Thanks very much. Thanks, Sean. Uh, so I think we might leave it there, boys, if you haven't got anything else. Um, so, But we will take the opportunity. So if you need any assistance in terms of devising your own sort of conditioning or athlete training programs, please get in touch with us. Um, we've provided a nice little outline here, but it obviously can become a bit more complex than what we've said. So please um, get in contact with us. We're happy to help out individual athletes as well as um, teams as uh, teams across the board there. So get in contact with us on that front. And you can do so via social media, which would be what, Sean? Uh, if you search for Triax Performance on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. The talk. Woohoo, baby. I'm there not sure is. about the TikTok. The top. Can they even message us on TikTok or can they just find us on TikTok? No, I can. There's DMs there, absolutely. <laughs> slide um, on the TikTok. <laughs> and then Damo, so the more formal or old school way? Yeah, so uh, carry a pigeon or email. Um, emails admin at triaxperformance.com. And uh, if you want to check out the website, that's triaxperformance.com. Very good. Very good. So just to, uh, just to wrap up a thank you to everybody who's tuned into our um, podcasts and screencasts on YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. really appreciate that and the feedback we get. So if you have any questions, queries, comments or any other inquiries, and please do not hesitate to get in contact with us. We're happy to help out in any way, shape or form. So I think that'll do us. Yeah, if you get, if you get your merch as well, we, we want to see it. So uh, send us Whoa. a photo or... Chuck it up on, on Instagram with your story or something and, 
and tag us. Let us know that you've got it and you're uh, you're repping the uh, the Triax brand the far triaxle. and wide. The Triax Triangle, look out! That's Very it. good, and that's so that should be distributed in the near future as well. So keep a lookout for your chimney and leave a uh, leave some beer and maybe a couple of carrots out for the Triax reindeer in the uh, in the coming days. But I think on that note, we'll probably wrap it up. So thanks very much for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next week.